and thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In. I am your host, Kayla Sinange. Joining me today is my co-host, Tyler Hannon. Hello! We are coming to you today, in this, the most sacred of spooky months, to talk about a couple of movies. Sharing the name of that same spooky month? You may... Yes, the month of Halloween. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) We just spoiled it. But uh, so we will be talking about... Halloween and its sequel, Halloween, <laughs> but not the remake, Halloween. <laughs> but yeah. I think that covers all of it. <laughs> yeah, I think that covers all of it. Oh, we'll be talking about John Carpenter's original 1978 classic, Halloween, and the literally just released 2018 direct sequel, not remake, not reboot, Halloween, directed by David Gordon Green. one of those movies that has a super long legacy obviously this is one of those kind of movies that's perfect for like my favorite game which is like when did you first watch it (laughs) so i'm curious tyler what was your like first experience with the original halloween that's a good question i think that happened uh in between the ages of 19 and 22 when i was living in midland michigan and i started diving into horror movies and it's this weird fog where i don't actually remember a lot about them i just remember how i reacted to them it's like mm-hmm. texas chainsaw massacre I remember watching that and going dude what the fuck <laughs> i feel bad and he didn't even kill anybody with a chainsaw <laughs> uh halloween so i love john carpenter the thing is like one of my favorite movies definitely i really like halloween but the first time i watched it i was a little bit not disappointed but it wasn't quite what I I was a little bit like Dave in the new movie. He was like, it's a guy with a knife who killed like five people. What's the big deal? You know, (laughs) spoilers. Not really. (laughs) Did you know that in the 1978 version of Halloween, he kills people with a knife? But yeah, like I've rewatched it since and like have gained a better appreciation for it. Like one, I like understand the history of film and like making movies more than I used to, but also like, I don't know. I, just, like, I, I tend to like coming in like without those heavy expectations of like Halloween. This is the horror movie. It is the greatest of all time. It's going to blow me away. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not the best way to approach it, I don't think. But I, don't, I, I really so that that's that's a roundabout way of describing my history. I like it. It's not my favorite <laughs> John Carpenter, but it is, I do consider it a classic. I like to rewatch it every year and I always enjoy watching it. Yeah, I watched it for the first time in high school with my dad. And this is one of those things where like... <laughs> I, for a really long time, and even a couple of years into me and Tyler being friends, I was like, I don't like horror movies. I don't like being scared. And this is like, it's so funny because like, one, it's not true because like, I'm pretty sure I have actually always liked horror movies. Like when you, it's one of those things where like, you know, there are certain things about your personality you can like breadcrumb follow through your childhood. Mm -hmm. Horror movies is definitely one of those. Like my grandma is super into horror movies and sci-fi and all of that stuff. And my dad is also like, not as much, but he definitely like, 
has his movies that he likes. Like the first time I saw Alien was with my dad. And this was like a similar weekend. And I, I'm trying to remember, it was either my junior or senior year of high school. And I think that he, it was when we still, we lived in like, a crazy thing about my childhood is that I lived in a one bedroom apartment with my father and like siblings for a long time. And um, I think like my siblings were at my mom's house and my dad was like i'm gonna watch this do you want to watch it and i was like is it scary (laughs) and he was like yeah but like it's fine like i don't think it's too much or anything so we ate like a shit ton of halloween candy and watched it and i think that it's it's one of those movies that i think is better to watch when you're younger just because you're not as cynical (laughs) um I, I mean, I was a fully formed adult at like age four, but you know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I remember being like sufficiently spooked. And I think that Laurie Strode is a character that as a high schooler is good to see. Like she's smart and she is capable. And I don't know, one, there's just a lot of things about Halloween that I like. It's definitely not my favorite John Carpenter. I would say probably that The Thing is also my favorite John Carpenter movie. But it's also one of those movies that has been so like homaged and... I guess, aped off of that, like, also there's a little bit of, like, maybe unnecessary expectation put on it because you've seen all of these parodies and all of these, like, straight ripoffs and remakes and, like, this conversation around it. It spawned all the slashers. (laughs) It must be the best slasher. Yeah, and that's, like, I I think I said this to Ben in the car on the way home from the theater that it's an originator, but maybe not necessarily, like, the best. Like, the first is not always the best, and I think even... I don't want to put words in his mouth, I guess, but I would assume that John Carpenter also is like, yeah, like, maybe, like, it's good. <laughs> like, I, I've done better. <laughs> Seems like John Carpenter, something John Carpenter might say. He's not afraid to say yeah. things, you know? <laughs> was it He's John having Carpenter, a really fun press tour. Was it John Carpenter who gave the interview that said his entire life now is video games? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just feel like he's a dude of the people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, this movie is just, like... It has a lot of interesting things going for it. And also a lot of, like, I don't know. I I think if we want to, like, compare the two a little bit, I think that the thing that the new one has on it is a much more realistic portrayal of teenagers. Just because, like, that's the thing for me that's the most distracting about the original is that Laurie Strode is a bit of, like, a 40-year-old person and that all of her friends are not people. <laughs> They're like, oh, your chemistry book? You don't need a book. <laughs> like, you have so many books. Why do you even have those? The books? <laughs> like, that's, like, all that they say to her. Like, I can't believe you've thought about a boy. Like, I don't know. They're just, like, they're shitty. And, like, that's why, like, it's a little bit, like, for me, I'm like, would she really be that traumatized by them getting murdered? Because, like, oh they're kind of just mean to her the but, whole time. They suck. I, I mean, know. even if you didn't like them... You know, them being brutally stabbed with a butcher knife by her. Okay, fair. Not actually a brother. Um, not her brother, uh, yes. But, uh, <laughs> fair. But, like, that's, like, my big gripe is that, like, they're just, like, oh, Lori, with your books, we're going to go have sex and drink a beer and I'm going to spill butter on my shirt and take off all my clothes for some reason. Like, I don't know. It's just like the one thing where I'm a little bit like, oh, so it was 1978 when we were making this movie. (laughs) Um, It also just has a lot of good, like, I mean, the music, obviously. The cinematography. The music is definitely the strong point. John Carpenter good at stuff. Yeah. John Carpenter good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it sets up the final girl trope in a really interesting way in that Laurie is not necessarily rewarded for not being 
like her slutty friends who don't like books. And I feel like that's how most slashers are. She just kind of happens to be the final girl. And that's one thing that I do like about it a lot, that it's not just like, well, you didn't have sex. (laughs) Although that is, I was joking with Ben when we watched it yesterday. I was like, he was like, so the rules of the movie so far seem to be don't sing and don't be a girl. And I was like, I think the only rule actually is don't have sex. But he just really hates that. And I feel like there's definitely a blog out there that's like a study of like the asexuality of Michael Myers and how it drove him to kill or something. <laughs> like, But I, I don't think it's that deep. <laughs> I don't know. Tyler, <laughs> thoughts on? It's just from, well, yeah. I, I talked a bit about the differences between uh, Michael Myers' uh, first blood Killing when he was six years old in the original and uh, Rob Zombies. Rob Zombies spends a lot more time. Like, you understand much more, like, oh, he's punishing his slutty sister. Whereas, like, the original Halloween, like, I guess you kind of get that, but even still, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's, it happens so quickly that you're just like, oh, I, I think he just wanted to kill his sister. I don't Michael know. Myers is such a weird character because, like, you want to know more about him, but as we have learned through sequels and remakes, it doesn't really work when you know more about him. So you're kind of left with this impossible, like, I don't know. For me, it's a little bit hard to suspend disbelief so hard that he he's just evil. Mm-hmm. He's the embodiment of evil, and Sam Loomis wants to fucking put his ear to his chest to hear that he is dead. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, it's just like, what did you see? Like... I can understand that after the events of, like, Halloween the first proper, because he went on, like, a serial killing spree and, like, all of that. Like, that makes sense to me that you'd be like, yes, he's evil. But, like, mentally disturbed child stabs his sister and you then know and learn that he is pure evil Evil. just by looking into his eyes. Like, again, like, I'm not trying to, like, pathologize or, like sympathize with him but it's a little bit ridiculous and i'm like that was the best we could come up with for the screenplay like he just is evil guys that's it i will say i don't know know. i think it it could kind of lead to the suspension of disbelief too because like we know so little about him like in the original and in the new one especially that it's like yeah he like like when he kills certain people you're just like i don't know He's, he's Michael Myers. He's unstoppable evil. Like, why wouldn't he kill that person? <laughs> he's just doing and it. Sometimes he's brutally efficient and just like, yeah, just like, broke that neck, got my fix, on to the next one. And other times he's like, I'm going to strip off their face, face and make a jack-o'-lantern out of it. <laughs> Which is like... Uh, like, yeah, he's Michael Myers. He's uh, evil. He's, sometimes he's brutally efficient. Sometimes he's like on a Hannibal level of uh, presentation. <laughs> That's what I'm curious about is it's like... So, obviously, the spoilers for the new one because... Obviously, this is the most spoiler podcast of all time. If you don't know this by now, like, oh, if you're new to the podcast, hi. It's yeah. If oh, I guess yes. If you are new, I just assume we have like the same six people that listen all the time. But um, if you're new, this is a very spoilery podcast, uh, just because we like to talk about stuff. And nice to meet you. Sorry to ruin Halloween, but it made eighty million dollars this weekend, so probably fine. You probably saw it. Um, but yes, so like. Fuck, I just completely lost my train of thought. I don't know, you were asking tangent. me something, and then I talked about how uh, the embodiment of evil allows Michael Myers to do basically oh. anything. And you're just like, yeah, he's evil. Like, how does he outsmart the cops when he spent, like, most of his time in mental institutions? He's got evil canny, man. This is what I was thinking. He's wily. Of. This was my train of thought, was that I can understand in the new one that having had 40 years to be in, like, a mental, like, a, a cushy mental institution by yeah. all standards, that maybe he had time to, like, be like, you know what? You gotta spice this up a little bit. Stabbing people is so 70s. 
I'm still going to do it, but like... <laughs> He's still got to get that knife. He does not feel good until he has the mask and he has the knife and he has the workman's clothes. He you needs, know, you got to get those. He's like, I just need some panache. I just want to make a head jack-o'-lantern. Oh. I didn't get to carve a jack-o'-lantern for the past 40 years. That's true. And this dude who hates Bonmi's head is going to be it. <laughs> like, and you know, he like he wanted to kill a kid too, so he waited for him to get in the car and just... Yeah, I do like that they didn't have him stab a baby. I was for a second a little bit like, oh my god. Like, cause the movie there like- was this sigh of relief in the theater the first time I saw it when he walked past. I was like, oh, thank god. Like, here's the thing. Too much, too much. Is that like the new movie is good. I really liked it. But there is definitely like a good through line of humor through it, which I appreciate because I think that sometimes having that levity is good. And, um... Peanut butter and jelly, bon me, is you also... You suddenly good. cannot have any... Le- you Like, you absolutely cannot have levity anymore in a movie where the dude just cold-blooded stabs a baby. Yeah. Like, at that point, it's like... Make a, a baby an movie. orphan? That's okay. I can get on board with, like, you know, making orphans. But... <laughs> it's just, it's a different level. Yes, it's yes. Like, if it were, like, a Rob Zombie movie... I would be like, okay. How many Rob Zombie movies have you seen? None, but I could totally see him being like, Michael Myers is going to stab a baby and you're going to like it and it's going to be gross. I'm pretty sure he beats a kid to death with a tree branch when he's a kid in the in Rob Zombies. I just like... like that's part of his origin. He beats a kid to death with a tree branch and then goes and kills a sister. Okay. Maybe. It's been a little while. I don't like... I don't... I, Rob, like I'm sure Rob Zombie is fine. It's just like not a genre of horror that I'm particularly interested in because I'm not super into like gruesome and that mostly seems to be what he really likes gets a little sadistic so it's just like it's just not my thing and that's fine like but yeah i just think that having michael myers stab a baby in a new movie where we were just laughing a minute before at a child being like wise to the babysitter (laughs) that was a sentence that i said in 2018 (laughs) interesting thing for me about the new one is definitely this like thread of female relationships you have this really great story of laurie strode kind of boxed in by the trauma of having this happen to her and how it has affected her entire life and i think that the trailers did a pretty good job of like not showing that aspect which is good because one, I kind of like having a sneaky, smart horror movie that's a giant blockbuster also. And I think that it is a little bit of a bait and switch where you go in expecting, hell yeah, my grandma Jamie Lee Curtis with a shotgun is going to fuck this dude up. And instead you're treated to this very interesting portrait of a woman who's very much had her life destroyed by a horrific event and having to deal with the fallout and the like the ripple effects that follow her her entire life. And... I don't know. We don't get to spend like a lot. I wish that we were spending more time with that. Like it's made very clear. But I do think fleshing that out a little bit more would have been beneficial. Mm -hmm. But it's just this whole movie is really not so much about Michael Myers as it is about Laurie Strode reckoning with being a bad mother because of her trauma and trying to be a good grandmother 
and set aside that trauma, but also not really being able to let go of it. And there's this really interesting thing where I struggle a little bit with the conclusion just because it's like, she was right to be a paranoid weirdo for 40 years. And like, I don't know if they try to thread that needle with, uh, sorry to interrupt. No, but yeah, like no, no, they, they, they have the one line where she says, I'm sorry. Like I was wrong raising you the way I did, but at least I can protect you. Yeah. And that seems to be where the movie tries to land. And like, so there is that sentence and like, there is that kind of reconciliation. And like, it would have been nice to have more. Yeah. Like that line is like, the point they're trying to get to but i think i feel like we could use a little more legwork on that yeah instead of uh rich british podcasters for rich 10 15 minutes yeah i yeah and for me that's like the one thing where like i struggle with it a little bit just because like i don't think it's a good idea to tell victims of trauma that they should just be paranoid and crazy for 40 years because you never know he might come back and like yes it's good to be prepared but at a like i don't know it's it's just a difficult thing to reckon with just because there isn't really enough time dedicated it doesn't to quite it. thread the needle it yeah little... it's trying and like it's trying better than a lot of movies would <laughs> so like i'm fine with it which is why the whole thing about blumhouse not having a movie directed by a woman yet came up because like it's a natural thought after this movie like i had it where kind of wonder like how this story about uh like female relationships Mm would have been handled like could have been handled a little bit differently and it's so difficult to especially in the hands not specific like obviously not specifically david gordon green but in the hands of any man like there is so much weird baggage that comes with like being a daughter who has a less than perfect mother Mm -hmm. because so much of pop culture film tv whatever is focused on like well it is your mom Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like whatever she does it doesn't matter she is your mom get over it like you have to love her you have to forgive her and, and I will I, say it doesn't quite do that here like yeah. it's it's fairly on on um Karen's side mm-hmm. she comes off a little harsh sometimes but that's usually when from the viewpoint with, yeah. of the granddaughter well and when you're dealing with this for 40 years yeah. like it makes sense to me that she would be harsh but i think that when you have like men and a team of male writers and producers and production owners Mm -hmm. (laughs) trying to like work this very tenuous thread through the needle to continue to beat that metaphor to to dust uh like michael myers will beat somebody's head into a bathroom wall (laughs) beautiful (laughs) keep going very nice um and the point is it's i think that in the hands of a woman it would the thread would have landed like we would have been able to have all of these elements together and it would have been like a hundred, maybe not a hundred percent, but it would have been narratively cohesive and satisfying. And the way that it stands now, like it is still, it's a good movie. And I was very emotional in the end. Although I will say, like, is he dead? Because like, <laughs> it, it, I didn't see a body in that cellar, nope. and I don't trust Michael Myers to be dead. We don't even see him on fire, so it definitely like leaves open the possibility of. I don't know. I, I kind of like. We'll see how they handle the probable sequel, given that it made $80 million in its opening mm-hmm. weekend. But I kind of like the ambiguity. I like, I like the I'm ambiguity, but it also feels like undermining the entire, like, you can right. you can destroy your trauma. You can win over the bad guy. But a thing that I notice is that closing shot with Allison kind of holding the bloody knife still. Yes. I'm like, ooh, are we setting this up to... There's one... Is it four? Where, like, the little girl is, like, 
with his spirit and yes. like she's like in a clown costume. Yeah. I yep. saw like half of that on TV once on yep. Halloween. That is four because I just watched it. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there, so, there is a history of that in the franchise that's no longer in one of the old timelines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's dead now. But like I could see like an interesting like and maybe not like the spirit of Michael Myers, but that would be a continued. How the trauma carries That on. would be a continued no. interesting thread to like follow down like the line of female trauma, like living with these experiences like you can become a badass who builds a fortress to protect yourself or you could snap and go crazy. Not that I like particularly want that fate for Allison because I really like her. She is a really good addition to this. That actress whose name I know, Andy, Andy (laughs) (laughs) is very much like Laurie's counterpart. She's smart. She doesn't take shit. And that's like a thing that I, again, like I think the teenagers in this are so much more realistic and like, yes, they're going to smoke pot and have sex, but they're not like, Oh, gee, Willikers, Lori, you square. She like, has better friends, too. Yeah, it seems like she has actual friends. Like, yeah. her babysitter friend isn't like, I mean, I guess you could come over here, but also I want to fuck my boyfriend and fuck you. And it why do you have a really book? really sucks that she dies. Man, I really feel that loss, you know? Yeah, like, oh. which is good, I guess. Like, I definitely, like, as much as I like the original Halloween, don't really care when either of those girls die because right. they remind me of every girl that bullied me in high school. Which is how I felt about the podcasters because I'm like, oh, podcasters, enough already. <laughs> I get it. Yes. We're all rich. We're so rich and famous. Like, you don't have to drag us into every movie about rich journalists. But, yeah, you don't care about them. They get uh, accidents. Like, oh, why do we spend 15 minutes? I can't, like, that's just like the like it's a biggest thing that I'm like, why did we spend so much time on these motherfuckers? I would have liked if the, the female podcaster had lived. Just because, like, I feel like joining those two together, like, would have been a good thing to have her be like, oh, I thought that we were investigating, like, this misunderstood man, and he is a monster, and, like, I would like to help you deal with this. Like, I thought that you were just a crazy old lady, but, like, we don't really get to have, like, there's no follow-through. Like, we don't get to have... That thread just ends. We just, like, yeah, we pretty much just, like, she's like, oh, fuck, and then she's dead. (laughs) And, like, I think that... In the spirit of having these, like, female relationships and having it be, you know, like, the women who triumph over this, like, big bad, it would have been interesting to see her, you know, kind of join forces with them. Or at least, like, get to express something to Lori about, like, how she clearly, like, mishandled this entire story in case, you know. For how much time we spend with them, it would be nice if they were anything more than just, like, generally set up. Like, like kind of just, like, setting up like, we specific don't really... items or themes. Yeah. And, and it's like, we don't really need that. Like, it's Michael Myers. Like, he's going to get out. He's going to kill people. Like, they communicate certain things that need to be communicated. They get the master. But, like, anyone else could have done that. Yeah. And that's really, like, my biggest, like, the biggest flaw that I find with it is that there's a lot of setup and sometimes very little follow through. Like, the doctor being on Michael's side, I guess. Uh, that's a really cool, yeah, like, it's like a cool, cool moment. And when yeah. you watch it again, it's like... Oh, no shit. He keeps talking about how what a bummer it is that Loomis is the only one who got to see him in the wild and all that stuff. Well, and he's like, he's my patient. I'm going to stay with him till he's transferred. Like, all of this stuff. And, like, I totally, like, that's a real thing where people get really attached to serial killers and killers. Like In the beginning, we could have spent some more time with that. Like, not necessarily giving giving it away, but, like, getting a better idea of, like, I don't know. Start with, like, therapy sessions. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. And, like, it sounds like we're just, like, shitting on the movie. But we both really liked it. I feel like we should clarify. I think that's why we nitpick some of these Critical things. Critical eye to things we, that we like. Because yeah. <laughs> we, like, like a bunch of it. But then it's, like, oh, like so when there are these things that we like, but there's not a lot of, or they don't quite get where we want them to go. We just want more. Then you look at, like, oh, the really 
like God, I keep going back to it, but like, man, that just seems like a lot of time spent on that stuff. When well, I'm like, it's... I want to see the Strode family relationships. Like that is that is the crux of the story, and like mm-hmm. the filmmakers know it's the crux of the story. Like it's not like they ignored that, but like more. Well, and it's also interesting too because like in the original, we don't really get a great sense of like Loomis as a character. He just kind of is like a weirdo that wanders around Haddonfield. Evil! Like, Evil! like literally there is like, I'm sure you have seen Halloween, but if you have not, there is literally a scene where Dr. Loomis, who has been studying and working with Michael since his incarceration, hides in the bushes and yells at a kid to like basically get off the house's <laughs> lawn. And it's like, okay, I get that you like think that like but what is the pathology here like that's whose pathology I want to know like what the fuck is up with this dude <laughs> like, oh, he's, he's, he's just like the boogeyman is yeah like he's like so dramatic and like I get it but I also am like dude you like we're working with a child <laughs> like and you didn't see him like kill anybody or do anything like it's so weird to me that we come out of this like in the original I could totally see like a doctor who's sympathetic to Michael showing up because it's just this fucking kid that like did a fu- like he stabbed his sister but like shit happens he could be bipolar he could have like a mental break and like stab somebody like it makes way less sense to me that the guy in the new one is like what if he's just a dude i just want to know what's oh going on there he's like i just want to know what's going on in his brain yeah what, I- <laughs> what drives him to kill you know how does he feel when he stabs yeah. someone in the jugular and the hot blood goes pouring down his arm how <laughs> does it. he feel i know like <laughs> And it's, like, a little bit over the top, but it's also, like, who fucking cares? (laughs) Like, he killed, like, a bunch of teenagers for no reason. Like, in the original, I can understand, I would understand better a doctor who, like, wants to know how he felt and, like, what he's thinking and stuff because there's, like, this isolated crazy incident when he's super young. Whereas now I'm like, he's probably just a crazy serial killer. I was say, in the first one, you mean, like, when Michael's still, like, fairly young before he kills a bunch of additional people. But now it's like, oh, no, he had, like, two... It's just is of like killing sprees. Well, like a, a he just real did that. Yeah. He just got out, and that was the first thing he did was like dig up his sister's grave and kill a bunch of sexy teenagers. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that was it. Mm-hmm. And like at that, and it again, like we know that Michael Myers doesn't work when you know too much about him. But I'm also just a little bit curious, like <laughs> why? <laughs> like I don't uh, know, Kayla. And, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, pure evil. And like for me, that just like it doesn't work. Like, I don't know if that's just because I'm too cynical or just because I like to have things wrapped up in a neat little bow. But, like, there are so many interesting, like, double reads of Halloween. One of the panels that we listened to when we were at Salem Horror Fest specifically brought it up as, you know, bringing the terror of the city into the suburbs and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And that's super interesting, and I would love to follow something like that. But, like... It's just not there. (laughs) Like, you just are not given enough to work with. And I think that it's super cool that there are all of these scholars who can, like, divine all of these things out of movies like this. But we have, like, such a great chance to update that and to work with it. And instead, it's kind of just like... It's okay to make things a little more overt. Yeah. Like, we're setting up all of this stuff and we're not going to answer any questions. (laughs) Like, it's like the epitome of, like, what the freaking... That George R. 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 That George R. R. Martin... What the fuck is his name? <laughs> the guy that writes Game of Thrones. <laughs> you almost had it too, like Martin. R-R-R-R. George R. R. Martin gave an interview recently where they basically were like, so where'd you get your hat? And he's like, oh, I would love to talk about my hats. Love it. Hats. And they're like, anyway, so in A Song of Ice and Fire, the politics, and he's like, pass. And they're like, okay. So anyway, in A Song of Ice and Fire, religion, and he passes again. And like, that's a little bit what like the setup of this movie feels like where it's like, 
podcasters investigating like the possible mistreatment or misunderstanding of this like tragic figure. Teeth and- pass. Yeah, teeth done. <laughs> the trauma of this woman who's lived her life in fear and like has ruined all of her relationship past. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like. Let's get more of that one. Yeah. Gotta get into it. I wanna know. Like, and I think that Lori is such a great character and that like her family is so great. Like, I would love honestly to see more of Judy Greer yelling at her for being shitty or Allison hugging her when she's like clearly going through something. And, and not the dad, but we don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. Um, that is like, I felt a little bit bad because he's just like, it reminded me, like the cops and the dad reminded me almost a little bit of like a Wes Craven movie where it's like you always have like that one like bumbling dude yeah. or cop, usually specifically a cop in a Wes Craven movie. But like, I don't know. They're, he's just doing his best. Like his wife has a crazy mom. His daughter's like real smart and like kind of embarrassed by him. He didn't put a security system in. You have no security system, Karen. <laughs> he got peanut butter on his penis. <laughs> that was the one line where I was like, Weird. why is that in there? Like, no one would say that in real life. That was, no. That felt very much to me like Danny McBride being like, guys, I just got to get like one. I just want someone to say line. penis. Yeah. I just like, want someone to say penis. Which is funny because he gave an interview on the press tour for Alien Covenant where he's like, guys, life isn't all about dick jokes. I'm like, so why is there a dick joke? That's a peanut Halloween? butter joke. That's a condiment joke. <laughs> so take a loud drink of water on no, me for that. No, you take that Tyler's back. Least favorite. Stop it. <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess we should probably talk about the things we liked about the movie a little bit since we're being really hard on it. Allison. Love that she dumps her shitty boyfriend and doesn't put up with that shit. Mm-hmm. Loves that she punches her shitty boyfriend's needy friend in the face when he tries to kiss her. Mm-hmm. Sucks that he dies, but like, meh. Sucks that Better Cameron, people have died than Sucks him. that Cameron is the only one who just like escapes from this night completely unaware I mean, and unscathed. I, like, That's, like, I, I'm like, thing do I never... want him to come back in the movie? Not really, but... He gets to survive? Come on. It's just like another, like, fallen through set. I'm like, let's talk about what we like. Fuck Cameron. <laughs> but, like, it's just like another thing that, like, we set up and then never come back to. And I read on the trivia that the original cut of the movie was longer. And they were like, we just got to cut a bunch of this stuff out. It's too much. And I'm like, but was it? Depends on what it was, I guess. If it was well, the podcasters, good. Don't need more. <laughs> Listen, we just need to get the word out about wealthy podcasters. <laughs> that's like my... $3,000. Serial have $3,000 to pay for an interview? I get it's the key interview, but... I don't think even Serial has $3,000 to no! pay. No! Also, I love... Besides like, it being unethical, you don't just have that money. I do love the how he's like, journalists don't pay for interviews. I'm like, yes, they do. It's called a People Mag exclusive, and they happen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I guess since you're like... A wealthy podcaster, maybe you have higher standards for journalistic integrity. I, like, I like I said to you at the theater, I'm like, I'm just like, it's a, it's there, it's like some shitty rich British kid who was like, I think I can make cereal. I was like, I could do like, this. Dad, Dad, can I have $10,000 to make cereal? We're going to blow 3000 of it on Laurie Strode. <laughs> I love how, like, that's, it's such a weird, like, specific number. I guess if you're, yeah. Like $1,000 or like $5,000, like those 3, numbers. But not three, even like 2500 
Maybe they're like, guys, we all know that podcasters are rich and successful, but like anything above 3,000 is going to be above belief. Yes. Like you can't go above 3,000. Nobody's going to believe that. It's outrageous. Honestly. <laughs> uh, we Wait, what are we like again? <laughs> we personally offer our guests like, you know, like the standard $1,000 first class flight, hang out with yeah. us, yeah. pay for dinner. Oh, yeah. I'm literally just copying a blank check bit right now, yep. but it's fine. What's blank check? What's that? Oh, it's a podcast that we like. I think I thought, <laughs> we can just tie this right in right now while we're on this. Um, I'm quite it's sure. It's a podcast about filmography. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think it was either Alex or Andrea from Faculty of Horror oh. Twitter who said that the podcasting being rich was the thing that suspended their disbelief. Um, but yeah, Faculty of Horror is really good. We like them too. Oh, just gosh. get that out of the way. <laughs> Can't wait to hear them talk about this as well. <laughs> are there any other bits that are missing that we can just get out of the way we were talking about chris evans off mic we haven't talked about him in a while <laughs> <laughs> he has nothing to do with this though so i won't i won't force it in talk about something you liked in the movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> um i do like the final battle if you mm. will like one get all the pesky dudes out of the way just kill them all it's fine yeah um Sucks for the, sorry, R.A.P. Dad and Bonmi, police detective, who was just Dad, doing his best. What the fuck are you going outside for? Like, the cops are doing their job. They have to go. What is Dad doing? What is he doing? Being dumb. Hey, did you guys, have you guys heard anything about the ruthless killer who's out do you here? Know what, do you know what I thought about? I'm supposed to be hiding in the basement, but I thought I'd just, like, walk outside you know, and go, hey, what's up? The first thing that I thought about when they're like, hey, dude. You okay? Like when they're like signaling to the other police that Michael's just standing there and all I could think of was, hello, Mr. Police. (laughs) I gave you all the clues. Like he's right there. (laughs) You could have saved them. (laughs) But like he did give them all the clues and they could have saved them. I mean... The do- evil doctor fell on the horn, so the car's parked like askew. No one's answering them, and suddenly a horn. And the like, horn is eh. blaring. They're just like, we better get close and check this uh, out. Without- is that a girl who just ran into the woods from that car? Let's go check it so out. So the thing that we hey, liked <laughs> was oh, God <laughs> um, the final battle. All of the dudes are out of the way, whether through just getting dumped or getting murdered, um, and we have three generations of women fighting against. The boogeyman. You're evil. And it's poignant a little bit because, you know, um, men suck. And a lot of women go through a lot of shitty trauma and bad things. And sometimes you just want to see some ladies join forces with some knives and guns and kill the thing that hurt them. (laughs) Like, sometimes that's just what you want out of a movie. And I really like that Lori is validated and that she admits to Karen that she probably shouldn't have raised her like to shoot guns when she was eight. There's a middle ground, you know, but also Karen is able to like accept and forgive her mother and be like, I understand having come face to face with this evil, why you felt this way for so many years. I don't get the sense that she's like, it was all fine, but she's like, I am now prepared for this. And I am grateful for that. And you have Allison, who is, you know, probably the least scarred of these women because her mom did a good job of keeping her away from it. But then is also the least prepared, but is able to step up and stab the hand and save her mom. 
I don't know if she's the least scarred anymore, though, well, because no. she uh, but... <laughs> saw her uh, her friend, like, kind of shitty friend, but, you know, still her friend, uh, just impaled on the... I mean, I've had shitty dude friends that I didn't want to be impaled on a fence in front of me, like, and, obviously. Yeah. So And look at me right here. Yes. <laughs> but, like, you get, like, they join hands and they are able to, like, use their respective traumas and strengths and emotion to overcome ultimate evil, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's really touching and poignant because... It is, and it's great. I don't know. I just, it's I love women. It's great to see families reconcile and, you know, work through their trauma yeah. and come together. I'm like, I end. love women. I don't know. <laughs> I just love them. Um, but yeah, so the the music in this is phenomenal, obviously. I mean, John Carpenter oh. and others like, worked on it. Carpenter's gotten pretty darn good at the he music is, stuff. <laughs> he is good at that thing. And I love all of the great callbacks to, like, original score. I love the sad, slow, too. Like, not even just that the music's good, but the way he plays with the theme and yeah, like and layers. It's it never it never gets old, mm-hmm. and it shows up when you expect it, and also when you don't. And I don't know, a great score can take a movie and elevate. It. And that was something actually that Ben mentioned to me yesterday when we were watching the original. He's like, he didn't like it a whole lot, but he was like. The thing about, like, the music is so good because, like, you could just replace this music with, like, a bright and cheery score and it would be a completely different movie before, like, the murders happen, obviously. But, like, mm-hmm. those first, like, 15 minutes of Halloween where it's just, like, kids joshing <laughs> and, like, dad being, like, make sure you drop the key. Like, you could, like, literally you could make that into, a like, a sitcom almost if you added in some sunny keys. I don't know. The homage shots in this are so fun, especially because we get – kind of to see Michael Myers become the prey when he never really has been, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So we get this great shot of Laurie, you know, peering into her granddaughter's high school and this great shot where he pushes her down and underestimates her, as I would assume if he has the thought capacity for that, as he has always underestimated his vil- or his, his victims. And I don't know, I just love that where you look down and she's just like gone because (laughs) I think that going back to my first viewing of the original Halloween, that was the biggest surprise and the biggest like spook of that is you expect him to be dead. You look down, he is gone. Not only not dead, but apparently healthy enough to like get up and move very quickly. He's just, he is a, he is not a person. He is a force. He's been shot in the head multiple times, even across these two movies that are the only movies that exist now. Yes. And he just is unstoppable. And like as a teenager, you know, like, a similar kind of teenager to Laurie Strode. Like, that was what really stuck with me. Like, oh, my God, it can just keep happening. Yeah. And so to have that reversed and to have him maybe have to, again, I, I don't really have a great handle on what his thought capacity is. But assuming. Instincts. Assuming he has, like, emotional thought and reason to maybe have that little bit of fear in instilled in him. Like, oh, no, she can just keep coming, too. It's not just me. It'd be fun if they just put a little question mark that pops up above his head, like, huh? Yeah, I know. Yeah, just insert that. Isn't that I, a much more fun movie? I do like that despite the repeated attempts to get him to speak, he does never speak. Yeah, because yes. I think that would break it a little bit. Like, I'm not interested. He sucks. He's a well, fucking serial killer. It would also, like, validate the evil doctor's plan a little bit. It's like, no, no, he's just, you shouldn't have done that. That was bad. Maybe not kill people. He doesn't like you. Get over it. It's never going to happen. And this is why I don't go, trust dude. science. <laughs> All of science will let you down in Halloween. <laughs> I don't know. Except for yeah. the science of guns. 
or fire or blades. What? Or a properly what constructed What is happening house. right now? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking of the science that actually is worthwhile. I'm like, is this a quote? No. This is just a bit. Not a good one. <laughs> Anything uh, that let's you... Just keep, let's just keep it going, you know? Bits? Are there any things that you liked that I didn't talk about or cover? Anything you would like to add that is of value to this podcast? Uh, there's some... <laughs> Besides... Excuse me? Knives. <laughs> there's some good gooey stuff. You know? Who doesn't Ooh, love some good... The, some of the, like, the long... Tra- like, some of the long tracking shots of him moving stuff not only are very impressive, but are very effective. That whole sequence when we get one of my favorite music cues, uh, when he gets the knife and does not kill a baby. Uh, <laughs> good call. Yeah. So like Continued just, good call. Just that whole sequence moving through the house is like ugh, great music. Uh, very, the way, like they show, they do a great job of, for the most part, showing just enough of the uh, effects of the violence. Or the, they always show the effects of the violence, but also just like the actual violence itself. Mm-hmm. I think we've discussed that on the podcast before. Sometimes it's not even just like the act of the violence. It's really good, like hearing the violence and not seeing it. So it's in your imagination. Mm-hmm. And then you see the after effects of it and how grisly and awful it is. There were a couple straight jump moments for me. That too. Like a stab in the dark or the fucking head stomp because I wasn't expecting. Splat. That cannot be possible. Scientifically. Uh, Kayla, uh, Unstoppable Evil? You're right. Actually, probably the forces of Satan are probably in his boot. I don't know. (laughs) He survives bullet stuff to the head. I love love how I'm like, you know what I'm not sure about is real in this movie? Can you curb stomp explode somebody's head? We'll investigate more at eight. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, maybe the most important movie, uh, moment of the whole movie, gets a whole star to itself. Uh, So, you know... Judy Greer is a great character actress who's Love super hilarious, plays moms all the time now. And I'm sure sometimes uh, those roles are fulfilling and actually like give her something to do. And like some of the smaller things she's been in when she has a bigger role. But you know, in blockbusters, they don't always give her anything to do. Uh, That's because Colin Trevorrow um, is a hack. <laughs> there's another one too well i can't remember what it was but uh in this mostly movie, that one we hate him just there's there's the moment where she pretends to be helpless to draw him out and then just flips the switch and shoots him in the fucking that head was so good because i was so like i was like no yeah it is I was like why are you doing that yep they would like they let they played out just long enough for you to be disappointed and pissed off as an audience member like no how could you do that gotcha very satisfying moment it's so Back to back, gotcha from Judy Greer and Happy Halloween, Michael from (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, hell yeah! Yeah, Like, that's what I want. Yeah. Uh, Most of my issues are like towards the beginning of the movie. I really like like the back end of this movie. Uh, Yeah. Most. It's almost like when you are in a Halloween movie, the best course of action is to just get to the killing as fast as possible. Which I normally am not like. I'm not like a come on, something's got to happen. But in a slasher movie. Yes, gotta happen. <laughs> the longer you wait, I guess it depends on what you're doing <laughs> yeah. in that time too. True, you know. But podcasters, who even needs podcasters? Who listens to those? Like, who makes just, those? Just listen to music. You know, podcasts only take up uh, a lot of your attention. You're usually multitasking when you po- when you listen to a podcast, and really, you're just taking away from the effort you're putting into the thing that's more important than the podcast. So just turn that podcast off. Delete your podcast. What? App, maybe listen to some music or something, or just sit in <laughs> silence while you work. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the episode. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, like both of these movies. A lot, obviously. We haven't ever really 
had a chance to talk about John Carpenter on this podcast because every time we've recorded a oh, thing episode, fuck. something has happened and the audio has been lost. So we're better now. We are better now. <laughs> um, we have less time now, but we're better. I now. will say that the last thing episode we recorded was really good. And I'm really fucking sad that we never got to post it. But them's the break when working with technology. But yeah. Yeah, maybe um, don't use Skype recorders. But but yeah, anyway, John Carpenter as a whole. Um, great. Love him. Great dude. Wish he was my grandpa. Um, <laughs> would love to see any return to filmmaking if he was interested in it. We talked about it a little bit off mic, and I know that it's probably unlikely because he's old and likes to play video games now. But like... Maybe not even a horror, like, just, I would just like to see him direct something. John Carpenter TV series? That would be fun, like, an anthology series. Someone, like, took something he said in an interview recently, and was like, oh, is he considering remaking this movie of his? I'm like, this seems like a little bit of a stretch, but I'm going with it. Let's do it. I would be interested in that. I would normally, like, I guess he is, like, I was going to be like, I don't know if John Carpenter would do, like, remakes. And then I was like, this thing is a fucking remake. God damn it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure John Carpenter also said, like, like, I'm pretty sure a specific question he got was, like, what would it take for him to remake one of his movies? And he said money. <laughs> <laughs> he is a man of the people. <laughs> like, how he is our uh, horror grandfather, and we love him. Uh, he's 70. Yeah, 70 is not that bad. He looks, like, he looks aged. Definitely, but he's like just, 70's not that bad. He's had a good life. Cronenberg's making a TV show. He's old. Someone give John money. Come on. Yeah. Give John money. We would take it out of our wealthy podcaster budget, yeah. but like, unfortunately, we're committed through the end of the year. So <sighs> if any other wealthy podcasters want to <laughs> give money to John Carpenter. Halloween Unmasked has got to be like raking in the dough, right? Thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. per episode, right? Yeah. That's how like you get a download, you make five bucks. I think so. Yeah. Wait, have we been getting money for downloads this whole time? No, just kidding. Oh, no, no. Uh, Tyler Don't look at this car. Money. Don't look yeah. at it. think that about wraps up our discussion of mostly the new halloween kind of the old one but we have at least 12 more bits to go through so please stay tuned for another half hour <laughs> no we're not gonna do that no. um uh yeah so we're not gonna do a recently watched just because this was our recently watched yeah we just recently watched both of these movies yeah trivia is that this movie has been in production for one billion years mm -hmm. but the interesting thing that i came across while looking at the trivia was that apparently david gordon green had been trying for 10 years to do a weird reimagining of suspiria <laughs> this timeline in this circumstance this one circumstance where david gordon green made halloween and uh guadagnino made suspiria, suspiria. Yeah. yes this is probably the better timeline i would assume so yes i yeah. think that luca guadagnino is much more like the kind of director that I would want working on a Suspiria reimagining remake. But I did think that that was interesting. He quit because he didn't think that there was going to be like budget or like he was concerned about the artistic direction and the budgetary concerns, which Luca appears to have not had any problems with. So thanks it's, Amazon for that one good thing that you did. I was going to say like, I don't like who, like 
it's kind of like the how they made Blade Runner uh, like to like a hundred million dollar budget sequel or whatever. Like why? Like Suspiria, love it. You know, classic. Should not get a hundred million dollar remake or something like that. Listen that would here. be ridiculous. Here's would... my hot take: is that Blade Runner twenty forty nine is awesome yeah, and is. is better than the original Blade Runner. No, oh, I love Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but I can't believe they made it and thought it would make money. Sucks that like uh, Denis Villeneuve will probably never work again because he's making Dune. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my god! They're doubling down like, on the bad what? financial ideas. I'm into it because you know who the only person who could make a Dune movie that I'd want to see is Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> so, oh my god, I can't believe I forgot about that. Ben and I were just talking about that. Not to, Ben like is splitting. obsessed with not the movie, the book series. Yeah. Obviously, we watched the Kyle MacLachlan Dune not that long ago because I was like, I feel like I should watch this as like a casual David Lynch fan. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> not a good movie or a good adaptation. Kyle MacLachlan is hot in it. <laughs> so this is a tangent. Four stars, <laughs> I guess. But um, yeah. So I think that we're in the correct timeline. Well, scratch that. We are clearly in the darkest <laughs> and worst timeline. But at least in this universe, we have the correct people. It's like the making... second worst timeline. <laughs> yeah, the second worst could be worse somehow i guess i just had a really long conversation with ben yesterday about how it's very clear to me that humans definitely fucked up mars and that's why it's like clear that there used to be life on mars and we're just repeating the same mistake and we're gonna fuck up earth because of global warming this is all good to leave in by the way (laughs) wait so humanity used to live on mars most likely and we abandoned mars for earth and we've just forgotten yes it's like a myth it's like a creation myth Probably. This is the pitch for my uh, new horror movie called Escape from Earth to Mars, but then we realized we already fucked up Mars. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Is Escape to Mars... What is it? What, uh, there's a Mars Attacks. No, uh, well, it's, there, my, it's my creepy reimagining of Mars Attacks. Uh, there's a John Carpenter movie. That's what, <laughs> See? <laughs> it all ties together. We're very good at this. <laughs> okay, that's like two more bits down. All right. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, recommendations. Uh, Tyler, what would you recommend people to watch like we're this is the ultimate like it's literally called halloween it's halloween month we're fast approaching the actual holiday of halloween what should the people watch after this double feature oh well i was gonna cheat and go like the last trailer that plays before halloween is for happy death day to you coming out on uh, valentine's day at a theater near you and so you should rewatch the original uh or the the first one um, but I guess if we're going Halloween spirit and all that, you should definitely watch Happy Death Day. Yes. But I've probably done this on the podcast already, but The Fog is super good. It is one of John Carpenter's better movies. I honestly might like it better than Halloween. Uh, you should watch it. It's great. Super fun. Ghost Pirates. I gotta look at my list because I just realized I didn't actually. I mean, trick or treat would have been an easy one, but I, like I had to have done that. I was before. actually going to say trick or treat. I think I think you've recommended trick or treat, but I have not. Kayla. You know, what? I'm going to go with another like big '80s adaptation that is getting a remake next year that I'm like middlingly excited for. I think that like if you're in the mood and you just want like a good spooky movie, you could probably pop in Pet Cemetery. Oh, uh, yes. Like, it's getting a remake that's coming out in April. I'm like middlingly excited for it. I'm, it looks like they put a lot. Like it's it's gonna have, be a lot. Do you know it's what I thought? It's gonna be a lot. I when I was watching the trailer in theater, I wasn't like I, I was pretty whelmed when I watched it like on my phone at six thirty in the morning one day, which is 
self-explanatory probably <laughs> maybe not the best <laughs> um it looks to me like they are going the prestige horror route mm-hmm. they're like mm, that hereditary made some money mm-hmm. this uh, a24 shit is working let's really <laughs> like, fuck with their brains yeah so i definitely there i really like the original pet cemetery this is mm-hmm. not like a knock on it at all i think that it is a really effective horror movie is still to date one of the most successful horror movies ever directed by a woman wish that a woman was directing the remake but I am anticipating a more faithful adaptation, maybe getting in some of that weird lore that's kind of left out of the original movie. Because, you know, there is, spoiler, literally a Wendigo <laughs> in the origin in the book. And I would be super interested in seeing that aspect played up a little bit more. Like, you know, like, yes, we know the ground is cursed, but like there is like an element of being haunted. Like I and also like as much as I really like the original, the guy that plays Lewis Creed kind of sucks, and like <laughs> I would love to see like a real engaged Lewis Creed, but nobody will ever top the original Judd. Dead is better. I can't do it. Sometimes dead is better. Just like with Michael Myers, and that's just like one of those things where like that is the one thing I will say bummed me out about the trailer is that the line delivery of sometimes dead is better is not good. It's very it's very different. And, and there's might, no pause it might just be it might just be that it's different but it kind of sounds like i don't know sometimes it's better <laughs> like it doesn't seem like this like show-stopping moment because it really is like in the book and in the original movie if you are also excited for the new pet cemetery i would recommend watching the original but i would also recommend reading the book it's shorter also amy zymetz is playing rachel creed it's very important yeah amy zymetz is the best but yeah, um, the the book is short by like Stephen King standards. I think it's between four and five hundred pages, and I think I knocked it out in a couple of days last year. It should be back in print now. I had th- this is a tangent. I'm sorry, but I had on this podcast a hell of a time tracking down a copy of this last year, and it makes no sense. I literally did not know that Stephen King books, especially like one of his more popular books, like could be out of print but i must have just been like between printings or something because every barnes and noble i went to didn't have it amazon had like a used copy of like this very ugly like pop art that i hated so i like didn't want to buy it from there i went to the used bookstore by our our office every day for like a month is it possible (laughs) they like because the sequel or the the remake was in production that they maybe held off on whatever on recent printings most likely to do like a tie-in edition yeah i ended up finding like a uk trade paperback edition at this bookstore by our office and it was like it got to the point where like i would go in and i would like just like run to the back because that's where the horror section is yep. <laughs> and then i like i found it on the floor it like hadn't even been shelved yet and i like brought it back to the counter and like fucking like did like a oh. touchdown with it and she was like yeah i just didn't say hi to you when you came in because it looked like you were just on a mission and, you knew what you were for. and i was like it was this book that i've been trying to track down and it was so hard and she's like wow i can't believe that i'm like i know that I know. But yeah, so anyway. Me with of- like Shirley Jackson books in that same bookstore every time. Like, I'm just going to wander in and see if there's a... No, never. There's never more. I like to think that that's a, a supply problem that people are just so hyped to buy Shirley Jackson books that they're just never there because they're always bought as soon as they're there. So. To be fair, that's what I found. Like, I bought like all... Like, I found all three of them there once. Like, Hank Salmon, Haunting of Hill House, and I... You're the one. In the castle. And I was just like, well, one. these are never going to be here again, so I'll just buy them now. Anyway, this has been our episode on John Carpenter's Halloween and David Gordon Green's Halloween, but not Rob Zombie's Halloween. 
And now an hour on The Haunting of Hill House. We have blissfully left out all sequel talk because we don't hate you. We talked about Halloween 4 a tiny bit. A tiny bit. (laughs) Appropriate amount. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening. I think we're still going to try and do a couple more Halloween-ish episodes. Yeah. I think I said this on the last one, but as a reminder, I will be on the Halloween episode of the Nerdcore podcast, so we'll link to that when it comes out. And yeah, I guess... That means that it is closing time. <laughs> Why am I taken by surprise every time? This is the bit we were given. This bit <sighs> we have to use it, and it's also better than shit talking something every time. I'm we're never to talking to Stephen ever again. Closing time. One last call for alcohol. So finish your stabbing of people. <laughs> this is the Halloween edition of closing time. <laughs> Really worked hard on that one. Yeah, I've <laughs> been petting it all September. <laughs> all right, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I just tried to pull up the Halloween IMDb just to have it open, and the last thing I looked up was Griffin Newman, so I just pulled up Griffin <laughs> Newman's IMDb page instead of Halloween. <sighs> oh, spooky, that one. <laughs> Clearly. Pulling it up. Yep. Phone is not unlocking. Fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I don't up. think any I pulled up the old one. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> Stop it. Okay. <clears throat>